This is episode 78 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. Helen Keller once said, the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. That is something that is incredibly profound for anybody who's ever gone through an experience that has required them to search deep within themselves in order to feel something or experience something at a level that is beyond that of our human senses. And today's guest is someone who had one of his primary human senses of eyesight taken from him at a young age, and he's been completely blind since he was a teenager as a result of a car accident. But that accident happening to him has turned him into what he considers the best version of himself. And if he could do it all over again, he actually thinks that he would do it the same way. In his own words, that was the best thing that ever happened to him. Because as a result of that accident that caused him to lose his sight, he went on to experience things that he wouldn't have experienced if he didn't go through that accident and he didn't have that abrupt change in his life. So his name is Jonathan Nato. And what you'll hear in this interview is what Jonathan has been able to do ever since he became blind and most of what he's been able to accomplish and most of the life experiences that he has had since he's become blind are beyond that of people who haven't lost any senses and people who haven't had any tragic accidents like Jonathan. And he's gone from opening a storefront to fixing PCs by hand, computers, to uh, earning both a computer science and a business college degree, two different college degrees. He's gone on to develop an entire programming operating system specifically for disabled people. And he builds websites. He has learned and continues to practice search engine optimization, SEO. He currently runs three podcasts. One of them is actually how I met Jonathan. He had me on his podcast, which is called Crowdfunding Cast. He also has five kids and he's married and his wife and him live in Connecticut currently. And I have to say, after an hour of talking to him on the podcast, in addition to the time I spent getting to know him on his podcast and the discussions that we've had in between and after both of those, I have to say, John, not only is he an awesome dude, <laughs> but he's so inspiring and he's so motivating. And if you listen to his story, the way he talks and the way he articulates himself, it, it, it sounds like he has it all together and it sounds like he never experienced anything that changed his life so dramatically like that, like losing his eyesight in a car accident. But he did. That's the reality. And uh, just knowing that he has had that issue for 20 years or so now and he's been able to do so much 
is just a snapshot into what people are capable of and that they don't necessarily realize just how lucky they are and just how fortunate they are, myself included, to have everything that we have, have all of our opportunities in front of us and all the tools we really need. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn this over to my interview with Jonathan Nato. Enjoy. All right, guys, we are back, and I've got an exciting guest today. His name is Jonathan Nato, and uh, I met Jonathan through a crowdfunding sort of interaction that I had uh, going on based on Sobam Gear Company, uh, but Jonathan's here today. Jonathan, my man, how you doing today? Hey, Gordon, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it. I had you on my podcast, and here you are on mine. Uh, now, now I'm on yours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, this is really cool, and... Um, you know, I kind of knew like five minutes into having that conversation with you on the crowdfunding cast, which is your podcast, yeah. that um, that it would just be an awesome opportunity to sit down and have a longer conversation with you about things other than just my crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, no, I appreciate your time. I, I, I anytime, I, I, I could, I could be in a podcast anytime. I run, I do three of my own, so I'm, I'm there with you, man. <laughs> so. Um, you know, with that, actually, let's just jump right in because I, I actually didn't know that you ran three. Now, I know you run the crowdfunding cast. And I know you've been doing podcasting for a number of years, certainly a lot longer than myself. You've been you've actually been recording podcasts longer than I've been listening to podcasts. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, before we get into the full backstory and everything, can you can you just talk about those three uh, podcasts that you run yeah. right now? Yeah, sure. I, I have my website, NATO Media. So currently, right now, I have three podcasts. The first one that Gordon mentioned, Crowdfunding Cast, I have on. I basically interview anyone running like a Kickstarter, Indiegogo campaign, help them promote their, you know, the crowdfunding campaign and, uh, you know, have my listeners listen to it. And hopefully they uh, like your campaign. And they'll pledge, you know, to the campaign. That's that's downloaded over 20,000 times. I've been doing that one for about I don't know, three three years ish or so. I'm creeping up. I think tomorrow I'm gonna break episode 800. <laughs> so, you know that that I I can record four to eight episodes a day, like you know, just doing that one, you know, because it's just like so many crowdfunding campaigns, you know. And you so, only focus on Kickstarter and Indiegogo. I mean, I've tried other uh, other platforms and reaching out to people, but they were not really that responsive. If, so, from my experience, I mean, if anyone reached out to me and said, "Hey, I'm on XYZ platform, will you interview me?" Sure, you know. I don't you know if it's on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, but you know, either way it's it's fine with me. Um and then the other one of the other ones is called Pixels and Pirates. So that one, the focus is to interview people developing indie video games or indie like tabletop games, talk to them about kind of their process, talk to them about their game. The focus on that is to encourage other people. I mean, this day and age that we live in, I mean anything's possible. And so there could be someone sitting around going, man, I got an awesome idea for a game. I don't even know where to start. I don't, I, you know. And then so they, they listen to these people at interview saying, yeah, I started with nothing. I called this place. I emailed that place. And boom, now I got a game, you know. And so that that's what that, uh, that, that podcast is focused on. And then backstage is my other podcast where I interview indie musicians like bands or single musicians or whatever. And again, it's just a, a way to promote their, their band or their music, uh, you know, to, to the audience. And just a quick background to me, I'm like a wicked nerd geek. Uh, <laughs> I 
love playing video games. I'm a musician. So like all of these just like fall, you know, into my wheelhouse. So. All right. There's, there's so many things I got to get into now uh, <laughs> based on that and based on what I already know about you. But, um, but you know, before we get into that, so you run the three podcasts, let's, let's keep that aside. Uh, can you tell everybody your backstory starting yeah. from, I, I guess, uh, as a kid and, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I grew up in like a, any other normal kid in New England. I grew up in New, New England. I live in uh, Connecticut. I moved back into my hometown where I, I, I grew up. I live there now again. So, and, uh, you know, normal, normal life, normal kid. Uh, I was adopted at three months old and, you know, I always thought my adopted parents were my parents. And, but at the age of 14, I uh, got in a pretty, pretty bad tragic car accident. I lost my sight due to that car accident. And uh, I definitely, I definitely should have died uh, that day, but I didn't. And one one interesting tidbit, I mean, this is a whole other podcast, but one really interesting factoid I like to tell people, and, uh, you know, th this is not luck. This is, you know, no betting man would have uh, put a wage on this bet. That day I got in a car accident. It was a Sunday. And, you know, the town I grew up in, it's a small town, small hospital. You know, if you break a bone, fine. You, you'd go to that hospital. You could deliver a baby, fine. But for the kind of mess I was in, you, you don't want, you know, you don't want to go there. <laughs> and... <laughs> So they rushed me there, and uh, the day, uh, you know, again, this is a Sunday, and that day I got in the car accident, the hospital was running a trauma drill. Now, all the doctors and all the nurses that needed that would need to be there for something like me were already there. Wow. So when, when I got rushed in, and I just actually recently interviewed the doctors because uh, someone is coaxing me into, you know, put, putting together a documentary. And so I interviewed the doctors recently, and they are just like, yeah, we're all in the hospital, in the ER. And all of a sudden, you came flying in on a stretcher. And it took us a few minutes. We're kind of like, what? Like, they're almost like, is this like a practice? Like, is this, you know, is yeah. this? Yeah, did they think that was part of the drill? Yeah, and, and, the, and the, the, the orderly, not the orderlies, but the, you know, the, the people on the ambulance, like, no, no, this kid's real. You know, we need, <sighs> we need to patch this kid up and get him out of here. So, <laughs> so you know, so I, I, I got, you know, they patched me up. I went to uh, UMass Medical Center in Worcester. I was in surgery for 19 hours straight when I got there. I was in the hospital for a month and a half and, you know, went, started, you know, kept on, you know, living life. And, you know, I was really active up until that point, played football, basketball, baseball, took karate. And um, at first they thought, oh, we might be able to save one of your eyes. But the, I had so much swelling, they couldn't get to it fast enough. And uh, due to that, I, uh, I lost any chance of, you know, even possibly seeing out of one eye. And so, you know, when I found out I wasn't going to see again, I was just like, man, what am I going to do now? Like, you know, <laughs> there's no, uh, you know, blind, you know, baseball players or, you know, blind football players where I'm like, what, you know, what, what's going to happen? And actually another you know, little factoid, that day I got in the car accident, I was going to get my first guitar lesson also that day. And oh. the person driving the car was the first day I ever met that person. <laughs> so, uh, so I ended up, you know, being in a band and playing guitar, you know, my freshman year is dealing with losing my sight. My sophomore year, my uh, father passed away. He had articular cirrhosis. So he passed away at, when I was 15. And by the time I was uh, 18, my mother passed away from pancreatic cancer. So in four years, I had lost my sight in both my parents. Oh, man. And uh, so I just, you know, kept on living life. I, you know, I had some pretty dark years, though, you know, from 18 to like 20, 21. You know, I, I, uh, I did anything a normal 18-year-old would do that had his own house that didn't have anyone to answer to. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so I, uh, and, but I, during that time, I met my, my, who is my now wife. And so we've been together for 20 years now and married for 16. 
And uh, so I met her then. And, uh, you know, then I started getting into my entrepreneurial track where, again, I, I grew up in a small town. And, you know, honestly, I, I've tried getting so many quote unquote regular jobs. Anytime catches wind that I'm that I'm blind, the, the conversation always turns in another direction. It's always, you know, they see my my resume like, oh, you're the perfect guy for this. This is amazing. And I go from being like, you know, the, the most qualified person or sometimes overqualified. And then the second I tell them I'm blind or that or when I go to the face to face interview, it's always like, oh, we're going in another direction. So I've always had to create my own jobs. No one no one wants to hire the blind guy, even though on paper they say this, that and the other thing. But so I've always had to be an entrepreneur. And uh, so in 2002, I got married in 01. So in 2002, I started my own computer business. I had a storefront and I would build build custom desktops, build custom laptops, and repair computers. I would uh, you know set up networks in people's homes and businesses. And so that was probably my first uh, my first dive into the entrepreneurial uh, realm. Now you are that is so impressive. But you are 100% blind, right? I'm like totally blind. I can't even see light. Like okay. I don't shadows, nothing. I'm like I'm totally blind. Um man, that's 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 really something. Uh I'm going to I'm going to take this back just a couple steps. Yeah, yeah. Um if you don't mind me asking. So when you went when you got in that accident, you know, what what actually happened to you? Oh man, it's, I I don't know how many details you want, but so I was in the back passenger side, the car, and I talked. To, I was with my cousin and, the, and this other kid. It was his first time I met him. So we're we're all in the car. I was in the back passenger seat, and I I asked him somewhat recently again because we're doing that documentary. He's like, dude, what do you you know what even happened? Like, how did we even get in the accident? He's like, man. He's like, I have. He's like, honestly, to this day, I have no idea. He's like, it was. We're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, we heard this like loud like like thump or like just this loud bang from kind of like the rear wheel. And all of a sudden we just rolled, we rolled three times. And so when we were rolling, I got ejected out of the back windshield. And so when I did that, I sliced my face open. And then as I got ejected out of the back windshield, I also, I either smashed my head in the telephone pole or I smashed my head somewhere on the car. And I had, I just had major, major head trauma. Um, nothing below the neck was broken or scratched. Oh my goodness. It was all, it was all head trauma. And so, and the other two guys in the car, they didn't get scratched. They were, they were totally fine. Dude, wait, um, wait, were you, uh, were you wearing your seatbelt out of curiosity? No, no. no but if, if I was though, I definitely, I definitely wouldn't be here because really? the, the back of the car was like, it was like an accordion. It was a tuna can. It was, just, it was so crushed from rolling because I, it, while it was rolling, it also hit the telephone pole. That's why we think I must've hit my head against the telephone pole too. And that's what kind of helped eject me all the way out of the car. Wow. So I stayed back there. I, I'm pretty sure I, I would have been buried in the car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> well, that's amazing. And then what'd you say? 18 hours of surgery. Yeah, yeah. When I when I got to the, the UMass in and uh, Worcester, I was in uh, surgery for 18 hours straight. They just had all kinds of doctors, neurosurgeons, eye doctors, nose doctors. I cracked my, I cracked, I, I broke my jaw. So I had my have my my mouth wired shut. I crushed the bridge of my nose and a piece of my eyebrow, my bone, had to be taken from that to rebuild the bridge of my nose. I cracked my skull in a bunch of places. Uh, I, I was a mess. You know, I had to wear like a halo, like those metal rings around your head. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, one, one quick story on that. I always have to tell a story and I mention the halo. You know, I, so I, I literally had screws in my head, right? Like that's how the halo was in your head. Right. And they were like, and one day the doctor was like, hey, Jonathan, we need to, uh, we need to tighten one of these screws. So you, you want, you know, you want some like pain medication. We're going to give you a shot in your head. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> and I was like, no, no needle in my head. No, thank you. I was like, I was like, just, just tighten it. He's like, it's going to hurt. And I was like, how could it possibly hurt more than it already is? Or what? I was like, the screw's already in my head. I was like, just tighten it, you know? And cause I was like, I, I just I wanted no part of a needle like going into my head. Right. Yeah. And so, so he's like, all right, you know, I, I asked you. And so he, he turned, he turns it just ever, not even a quarter of inch, not even an eighth of an inch. He just turns it just enough, man. That was the most excruciating thing I've ever felt in my life. Dude, that's, that's, yeah, that's a, what, like a stainless screw drilling into your skull? <laughs> so for an hour, I was in excruciating pain, right? And the doctor's just like, hey, it's your last shot. I'm leaving, you know, the nurse that can do it, she, she, she's switching shifts. You want it, you want it now, you need to do it. And I was like, go get her. <laughs> she came they like you know they put the needle in my head honestly you didn't even feel it you know it goes on my head they squirt the pain medication boom within like seconds or a minute it, it just pain goes away i was like man i should have did that <laughs> <laughs> uh that actually uh that kind of reminds me when my, when my wife gave birth uh to our son she was 100 percent against getting an epidural mm. right until the doctor said this is your last chance if you want an epidural and she's like yes now you know <laughs> yeah because yeah, once you hit that point of no return you can't do it right so, yeah 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 once yeah exactly yeah i mean you've been yeah. through it all yeah once they once they um you know once they like, the baby gets past a certain point like it's considered dangerous and it actually wouldn't do anything so yeah, yeah no exactly <laughs> yeah. um wow man that's that's amazing okay so uh let's jump back forward so uh you know a few years later uh, you opened a computer repair shop yeah, and yeah. you're installing networks in people's houses and you're building custom desktops. You have a storefront. Yeah. Yep. And so the reason why I got, I, I've always been technically inclined, I guess what, you know, another story back in 1984, I'm dating myself here, but I wanted this thing that just came out called the Nintendo entertainment system. Now <laughs> I, I grew up playing my Atari 2600. I got that when I was for one of my Christmas, one, one Christmas and uh, I love that thing. And so I want this Nintendo entertainment system. I tell my parents, you know, mom, dad, I, I, I got to have this thing. This thing is awesome. I need this thing so bad. And it was for my birthday or Christmas. I don't remember what I was asking it, which of those I was asking it for. Well, my uncle worked in the uh, in the sub base here in Connecticut. And so and he he was a very technical person. He was a computer developer. He actually worked on the computer systems within the submarines. And so. He told my parents, he's like, no, 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 don't, don't get him that toy. Like, don't, you know, he's like, you need to get him a computer. And so my parents went out and got me a Commodore 64. And, you know, and I, and I love telling this story too. When I talk to people, it's like, when I opened it, like, and I thought this, I didn't say it, but I was thinking to myself, man, I asked for an intent. <laughs> get me this. Like, you know, it'd be like, if your kid was like, dad, dad, you know, can I have a car when I'm 16? Get me anything. Get me a beater. You know, like something falling apart. I just want a car. Right. And like, but then you're like, oh, well, here's a Porsche, right, you know, right. <laughs> and you're like, I didn't ask for a Porsche. I just asked for a beater, you know, but, you know, looking back at it, I mean, that was like one of the best moves my parents did because I, I, you know, I was used to computers since like the fourth grade then I had my own computer in my own room when I was in fourth grade, Dude, you know, that's, um, yeah. And that's so you had a Commodore 64 um, that first of all, that must have cost your parents a ton. Oh, I'm sure you I'm know, like thousands and yeah. I didn't have a Commodore 64. My first PC, well, my first computer was a 386. Nice, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit later. A little bit later. later. <laughs> yeah. um, 
that's so, that, that, yeah that's awesome did you did you ever end up because i got a i got a, a nintendo when i was like three so it was 1988 did you ever end up getting one yeah i did i got one you know, <laughs> i'm actually probably around that same time you know 87 88 yeah i, I ended up getting one because at that time it had been around for you know four or five years so yeah, yeah. it wasn't this brand new thing anymore so okay. but yeah i and i even i even had access to you know people like oh the internet you know wasn't around until 19 what 90 whatever i'm like that's not true. I, I accessed the internet back in the 80s from those old school modems you would see on the, you know, the old TV, you know, movies or whatever, where you take, you know, you take the uh, the, the phone receiver off the hook and you plop <laughs> it down on that other thing, right? So I had one of those bad boys hooked up to my car, <laughs> you know? So. Uh, man, I think, uh, yeah, I think I had a 14.4 and then uh, a 28.8. <laughs> and it was a long time before we got a 56k and I, I can tell you right now that half the people listening to this have no idea what that is that's okay though that's okay. yeah yeah so yeah. so anyway so the, i mean so that's that's how i kind of got around to opening the shop i had that background uh you know after i got my car accident i got a little bit out of technology um you know, i just was going through my own stuff at that point and play i was mostly playing like guitar you know being in bands listening to music and stuff but so I, I kind of started brushing up my my computer skills and computer knowledge and just said, hey, no one's going to hire me. I guess I need to create my own job. And so I opened up the uh, the computer store. And this was, what year was this? Like 02. 02, okay. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask, how, did you have someone else on your team, like in the store with you, working with you? So at first I did. I ended up I ended up talking to my one of my cousins. Now in my family we have a pretty bit. My dad's side of the family there's eight. There's eight siblings, and so I'm like the youngest out of all the cousins. So like, you know, I have cut like I'm I'm 38, but I have cousins that are like in their mid 50s, right? And so as I was uh, talking to one of my cousins about this, I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about opening a store, and he was laid off, and he was really smart too. He's he he was very technically savvy, and he was like, tell you what. Let, let's do let's do like a partnership 50 50 kind of thing i was like all right here's what we do you know you fix everything you get all you get all the money from that i sell stuff and i'll get the money from that like i'll work on selling the computers and if i sell a computer and you build it for me i'll pay you you know whatever a piece of the you know a piece of the action for building it and so we started that we we so we started working together and you know here here's the thing for your audience always get everything in writing <laughs> yes you know that that relationship didn't end too long that business relationship within a few months you know my cousin's like you know oh i thought it was 50 50 and you know you're selling all this stuff i mean not that we were killing it but it was like i was we were probably selling more than he was repairing not that he not that we weren't repairing much either but you know he was charging 30 40 bucks an hour to, to fix stuff and he was keeping all of it and you know he, he was probably doing at least 10 or 15 hours a week you know making 30 or 40 bucks an hour but you know, we're probably selling more than that, though, you know, and so he, he wasn't happy with that. And I was like, dude, you, you know, 50 50, you repair, I sell. Remember, we, we said that he's like, no, 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 50 50 down the middle, like, you know, with the profits and all that. And I'm like, it, it was just a big mess. Yeah, you know? yeah, you know? yeah. No, I, I don't know very many business relationships that end positively. It just yeah. it, it seems like they always go south because I was just like, well, look, dude, <laughs> I paid six months of rent up front. You want to do 50 50 you owe me like three grand you know it's <laughs> want to go down that road you know it's like but i i took a lot of the upfront costs myself and i just let him come in and you know do labor and get paid you know right and so, but after that he ended up uh leaving and so i i made the store by myself i mean it, it wasn't a huge store it was like you know decent size or whatever so 
Um, someone did actually steal a laptop from me, though. Uh, and, and, and you know, they, I, they, I think they came in and kind of figured out I couldn't see because, because if you saw me, you would, you would think I can see because, uh, well, one eye is closed due to nerve damage, but the other eye stays open. And since I could see for 14 years, I mean, I have the mannerisms of someone that can see. And so I look right at you when I'm talking to you. If you're talking to me, I'll turn around and look at you, you know. And so this one guy came in, or kid, I should say, and I think he kind of put two and two together and finally said, you know what, I don't think this guy can see. And within a week or so, he came back later. And I thought I heard, I was in, I was in the back room for like two seconds. And I thought I heard the door open. And I was like, hey, how's it going? And no one said anything. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I, th I swear I thought I heard something. <laughs> and and uh, so and he didn't answer anything. So I, w I went back in the back room real quick. And, the, and when I say back room, it was like an open room, like just connected to the the, the floor of the store. So it's not like I was, you know, I, I, I could still hear everything in the store. And so and I, and then I was like, man, I, I swear, I think I just heard the door open again. And don't ask me why. I went over to the shelf where I knew a laptop was and it wasn't there anymore. <laughs> And I ran out of the door and I was like, hey, that kid just stole a laptop. Someone stop him. And thankfully, actually, the police caught him. And uh, it took me like six months to get the laptop back because, you know, <laughs> they had to hold on to it for like evidence or whatever and all that. But I ended up getting it back. But I, I did. Someone did steal something from me, though. <laughs> Dude, that, that was like 0203 or something. You know, that was like 14, 15 years ago. That's they were a lot more expensive back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like I think I was selling it for like a thousand bucks or yeah. something like that. You know? So, yeah. Wow, man. Okay, cool. So also, uh, you know, before we started recording here, you know, we were talking a little bit and, um, and you brought up that you had developed at some point a Linux operating system called Sonar. And it was kind of specifically tailored for people like yourself who have uh, like vision trouble or are totally blind and maybe yeah. have some other issues going on. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I, I still actively develop that. I, I don't remember exactly when I started this project. This is just a project of uh, labor of love. I think I, it came out, the first release came out maybe 2014 or 2015. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically I developed my own Linux operating system. Uh, Linux is an open source uh, software for people that might know what that term is. But um, basically this software has, I try to meet the needs of every possible disability that I can. Uh, with this software so in, included in this operating system so a blind person could download the software and install it by themselves with no sighted help um, the, 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 the operating system comes up talking and a blind person can use it right away um, there's also screen magnification built in so if you have low vision you can blow up the screen and you know make the letters look bigger and everything enlarge everything you can change the contrast to high or low um, there's an on-screen keyboard if you have low motor skills, so you know only use of one good hand or something. Uh, you can also con make tons of adjustments uh, to the mouse for accessibility purposes. You can make tons of adjustments to like the keyboard settings if you know if you if you don't want it to press as much you know as fast as it does when you hold it down. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can change. There's also a font included for people with dyslexia. So um, if you have dyslexia, you can switch over to this font. And from what I'm told, uh, you know. People have an easier time reading if you have dyslexia, um, so you can switch it over to that font. Uh, there's also uh, eye slash head tracking software. So if you're like in a wheelchair, maybe you can't use either one of your arms. You're quadriplegic. You can plug in a webcam and you can control the cursor on the screen just by moving your head or even your eyeballs. And so basically, what you do is like if you wanted to click on something, you would move your head so the cursor moves over to say like Firefox. And what you do is you can you program it. You say, look, 
when I stop moving the cursor for this amount of time, I want you to open what the cursor has landed on. So you would you would move your head over to Firefox, stop moving. After a second or two, boom, Firefox will open, and then you can start you know on your merry way browsing the web. <laughs> so all of that software is included for free. I give it all away, and it's been down it's been downloaded in over thirty different countries so far. Dude, that is amazing. Really, has anyone has anyone ever reached out to you about that and just just to like I guess communicate with the guy who developed that? Yeah, I mean, we have we have like a mailing list where people can like, you know, people tr- we help people troubleshoot stuff. Hey, how do I use this? Or I'm having this problem. I, you know, so there's a, we have a whole community of people that use it that will just help out other people with like tech support and stuff. I, I mean, no one's really reached out in the sense of like, wow, this is amazing. And I want to talk to you like, you know, accessibility and disabilities are it's they're they're a funny thing. You know, I've 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 spoken with some high execs up at Google uh, at HP and I've, I've, you know, because look, they, they, you know, these companies say, oh, we, every, you know, equal everyone, we care about everyone, accessible, yeah, this is great. But when push comes to shove, you know, at the end of the day, what, what's in it for them? You know, so, so I've tried approaching them, saying, look, they, you know, I'm, again, I've had these conversations with them, and I'm like, there's a billion people in the world that have a disability, and so if I, you help me develop this software. Um, I can make this the, the best that I possibly can. I can hire other developers that are way more talented than me that can make this even better. And we could get those billion people on a computer. And HP, if you you know, you know know throw some money our way, they're going to want to buy an HP computer when they can start using a computer. Hey, Google, we're going to get a billion more people on the internet. It's in your best interest for your advertising for us to get these people on. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, this, uh, this sounds great. And, you know, when, again, when push comes to shove, you know, nothing couldn't, you know, never move forward or anything. So that, yeah, that is surprising. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm just fascinated. I mean, and on that, on that, along that same, uh, thread, you know, you had mentioned earlier that, well, so you have a, de- you have a degree, uh, is it computer science? Yeah. Computer science and business administration. Yeah. Okay. And you said you've had you've been struggling to find a job in that field yeah, right? totally. you get you get like all the way to the interview stage and then once people find out that you're blind then they have some reservations all of a sudden right oh, totally. yeah i mean i've even gone to you know try to apply for jobs and no no disrespect to anyone that you know any of your listeners if they do this as a job but i've gone to like jobs where it's like trying to sell like you know cable tv or you know like just i mean you know nothing that takes any sort of skill at all and you know, they they'd still I still go to interviews because you know I was willing to do whatever I had to had to do to get a job. You know, you, you know, work at the lowest level possible and maybe work my way up or whatever. And you know, I'd go to the face to face interview, and uh, you know, they they would talk to me for a few minutes and just be like, all right, you know, thanks, we'll we'll call you. And I call them back, and oh, we went in another direction. Like that's that's always the it's always the same excuse. I mean, you can't. I mean, it's it's uh, it's definitely like a discrimination, but you can't prove it, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it's really annoying and frustrating to go, you know, to go to interview after interview after interview. You know, and I've tried it numbers of ways. I've like, OK, I'm at the third phone interview. The next interview is going to be the face to face on this phone interview. I'll drop the bomb like, hey, by the way, I'm blind. You know, I don't need any special software. You can see I'm, you know, I'm a productive person. I just wanted to let you know. And. The, the face-to-face interview gets canceled. It gets canceled. Yeah. Oh, we found somebody else, or 
you know, again, it's just these lame, you know, excuses that you can't, you know, prove, you know, you can't prove it's discrimination, right? That is amazing. Man. And, and, then, and then I've tried, you know what, I'm not saying anything. I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to show up at the face to face. And because then I struggled like, well, okay, am I, am I being a liar? Am I being misleading if I don't say anything? And so, but I go to the face to face and again, like I said, we'll, we'll talk. They're nice to me. I'm like, oh, well, how do you deal with this? Or, how, you know, what would happen if this came up at work? And I'd be like, oh, I would do this or, you know, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, okay, great, great. And I'd leave and, like I said, oh, we went another direction. Or, oh, we, we found someone else, you know, more qualified or, what you know, whatever the lame excuse is. And so I, I've, I've just always had to create my own jobs. Wow, man. Uh, that's that, that really does surprise me. So I've been in the corporate world for about 10 years. And, um, you know, it's... I, it's more specific. I've been. I've really only worked two jobs in the corporate world, and one of them is for a major, major, major corporation, and the other one was for a smaller company. And both of them, uh, I, I can't imagine that someone that actually has a solid skill set technically would get turned down. And especially, you know, I'm talking to you. You're very articulate. You're outgoing. Um, so clearly, you know, you can communicate. And also, looking at your track record of things you've done, you have technical skills, too. I can't imagine that either one of them would have turned down someone because they were blind. Yeah. Even though, you know, especially with that, with all the, like I said, the track record that you would be bringing to the table. So that that's yeah. fascinates me. Yeah, I mean, I even went to this, uh, I guess maybe you call it a job fair. It was specifically for, I don't know if it was uh, disabilities in general or if it was specifically for blind people, I can't remember, like blind and low vision people. But if you're a, it was it was for the state of Massachusetts, and if you're getting any type of like federal funding, federal grants, it was mandatory that your company attends this job fair thing. And so you would know, like, so they, they would have all these jobs that they were looking to hire people. And you could, like, look at some jobs ahead of time and be like, oh, I might try to apply for this one or apply for that one. And you could even kind of, like, pre-apply. And then as, when you got there, you could kind of do the interview. So I found this job at MIT. They, MIT and Harvard got together, and uh, they created a online learning center. And I can't remember the life of it, what the name of it is right now. Um, edX, I think it might be called. And so Harvard and MIT teamed up and they give, they do all of their lessons like they normally would at the university, but they do them free online. And they even, you can even get some sort of, it's not necessarily like a, a diploma, but you can get a certificate like saying, Hey, I, you know, graduated edX and in this sort of field, you know? And so it was, it was more, it was to push education across the world basically. And so they were looking for, an accessibility programmer to make sure the website was accessible. I'm like, not, not that I'm like, oh, this is a shoe and I'm totally going to get this job. I'm like, this is the perfect job for me, you know? And so, <laughs> so, so I, I go to them and I, I meet with the lady at the table. Uh, you know, I drove over an hour to get there. It was in Boston. So I meet with the lady. I'm sitting at the table and, you know, I give her my, uh, my resume. And, I, you know, I have, again, I have a pretty heavy technology background on my resume, stuff that I've done. I've even coordinated uh, uh, technology conferences for about four years. So I've even, you know, worked what? with getting... Really? Yeah. Yeah, I even worked with getting, you know, spot. That's how I got connected with, like, Google and HP and IBM. That's how I know, you know, a lot of people within those companies because I put on technology conferences for five years. Um, and so I had that on my resume. So I'm like, look, you know... The lady interviewing me, I don't know if it was a bad day or what, 
couldn't have been any more disinterested with talking to me at, at, at this job fair specifically to hire people with disabilities. She couldn't <laughs> have been any more disinterested. Literally, the interview, no lie, was like two minutes. Dude, two minutes. What'd she ask you? How are you doing today? All right, yeah, see you later. <laughs> okay, you've, you've, you've done this web design stuff. Okay, great. What, you know, what do you know about WC3 and all that? And like, you know, just telling us some quick stuff. And she's just like, great. Yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you. I was like, really? Yeah, I was just like, we, we barely talked, you know? And so that, that really got me frustrated, that whole experience. I'm like, this is all just a big game. Like, you know, like all these companies are here because they have to be. And I asked the, the person uh, that I was working with, I said, to your knowledge, like it was like a few weeks after that event, I said, to your knowledge, did any of the people you work with or any of your other uh, colleagues, clients, did anyone get a job? And she said, not that I know of. Right, right. Dude, that sucks. That's, so, uh, yeah. You know, it's right. And I'm not trying to say, oh, poor, poor me. I'm, I'm not getting know, that vibe from you. I, you know, but I, but yeah, it's I, like, I feel that's, for you. That's what I have to deal with, you know? Yeah, it's I like, understand. So I finally, I finally just been like, I'm done. Like, I, I'm just, I've come to realization I'll just always have to create my own job unless, you know, unless I like know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, then I would get hired. But just off the street, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Man, that's, that, again, that's so interesting to me. I never would have seen that coming. Not yeah. from not from some, some of those bigger companies. I mean, I know yeah. MIT, obviously. You know, it's it's local to me. And I know people that have gone up there and worked for, like, Lincoln Labs. And Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, just, I, I just never got that impression from them. Um, but and I, and I know that's just one piece of MIT. I'm not, like, just yeah, yeah, school. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, we don't need to blanket all of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just, just an example, you know, again, of just the the, the whole job hiring. Right. Uh, so, but the, anyway, so that, that has kind of forced you to become an entrepreneur, more or less, you know, yeah. at least for yeah. a while, at least for now. And um, you've got, you know, I know you're, you're running NATO Media. Um, yep. I don't know. Why don't you get into how you're monetizing some of the stuff and what else are you doing in addition to NATO Media? Sure. So Nano Media really isn't being monetized yet. I'm still, I've only, I, I did the crowdfunding. I've been doing the crowdfunding podcast for a few years, but it was always just kind of like for fun. Like I, I love, you know, business. I love technology. Crowdfunding really combines those two. And I just love how crowdfunding in general is kind of like even the playing field for anyone. And so I, I've always just been interested in it. So I always just did it just because. And then you know, my wife for years has been like, why don't you figure out a way to like earn money podcasting? She's like, there's so many people that get like advertising. I'm like, and I was always like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm good at it, but it's not what I want to do, you know? And, and I, so I finally, in a few months ago, just just like, you know what? I guess I should like take podcasting seriously. So I started, you know, the few other episodes, um, you know, and then, you know, hopefully once I build up an, a big enough audience, I can, you know, find out a way, you know, figure out a way to monetize it, whether it's through like affiliate offers or, you know, advertising or whatever. So that that's kind of the goal of NATO media. But on the side of that, I do uh, my my main, you know, gig is like search engine optimization. Uh, I, I, I build websites for people. I build e-commerce sites for people. I build membership websites for people. I do all kinds of, you know, I can do YouTube marketing and any type of social media marketing, you know, if you need to take out Facebook ads, like I can do all kinds of stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of my wheelhouse right now. Um, you know, it's funny cause, uh, I was talking to someone probably, it's probably about a year ago and, uh, they want, they were looking at something on my site and I was talking to them and like, Hey, you know, not to be rude or anything. 
but they're like, you know, why, why is your website kind of like, you know, kind of basic or, you know, like it looks good, but you know, it's like, does it look like a blind guy did it? And they're like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, maybe that's how I'd say it. And I, and I was like, that's because the blind guy did do it. <laughs> 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 and they're like, what? <laughs> so so I, I definitely lack in the, uh, you know, the, the design uh, area of things, but <laughs> I can get the website up and running. I can, I can get the structure going, but I'll, I, I'll bring someone on, you know, to, uh, to do like graphic arts or, you know, tweak the theme or whatever, but that's, I, I don't do that, but I can do everything up until that point. Sure, man. Okay, cool. That's awesome. So how do you find clients uh, in that field, that industry? A lot of it is uh, word of mouth. I mean, Thankfully, I, I do a you know a, a great job, I would say, and then people just you know I mean everyone knows someone who needs a website or you know oh what's this search engine stuff I hear about or you know so it's, everyone kind of knows someone who needs something done right so a lot of it is kind of word of mouth um, or some you know honestly sometimes too with the the crowdfunding uh, people that I talk to because you know they're running a campaign but you know they're probably going to sell their product later on or they're gonna they need a website or have a website and as we're talking. They're just like, oh, man, you do that stuff? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, I'm going to call you after this campaign's over, and we're, we need some help with, with this stuff. I'm like, all right, yeah, that, that works. So you know, so between that and, like I said, just kind of word of mouth, uh, that, that's how I kind of land clients. That's awesome, man. Uh, that's great, honestly. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like your bread and butter now. Uh, do you have like a long-term, and long doesn't have to mean 20 years, but do you have like a, you know, kind of like a, I don't know, I guess a plan for the next three, four, five to 10 years of what you yeah. think you might want to do. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, like I said, I'm going to, you know, buckle down and take the podcast network seriously and, you know, grow, you know, b because I am, you know, skilled at SEO and, and, you know, YouTube marketing and stuff. I mean, I, I can definitely grow an audience if I really concentrate on it. So like I said, I'll maybe add a few more podcasts. Maybe I might do a couple of like, videos like you know game review kind of stuff and putting the videos up on on youtube because I, I talked to so many like indie developers with like board games and stuff i could start doing you know little game reviews with me and my kids or you know uh playing the games and stuff so i'll probably i'm probably gonna buckle down and take that a little more seriously because I, I definitely think i can land some advertising and you know if i have to i could check out doing some affiliate stuff maybe but i'd probably prefer to do advertising just because it's i don't want to say it's easier but the affiliate stuff can be annoying. I mean, that would be a whole like other job on its own on top of doing the podcasting, you know? So yeah. Yeah. From what I understand, it definitely can be. And it, you know, yeah. you listen to like some of the top podcasts, the ones that do like multiple six figures a month, yeah. you know, they, they pretty much rely on like two to three advertisements like per episode. It seems like, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, not that I think I could get any of my podcasts as big as some of these ones, you know, that you might see in iTunes that, they're always at the top of the charts, but I mean, I've heard rumors of them getting, you know, easily thousands of dollars per episode, you know, from, yeah. from, from one advertiser. So it's like, man, okay. Yeah. I, I should probably try taking this a little more seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> now there's definitely opportunity there. Uh, definitely. Yeah. And, and after, you know, talking to you and listening to your, at least the crowdfunding cast, I haven't gone and listened to any of the other ones, but I give a knack for it. So that's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, even even example of growing audience. I just started converting the backstage podcast and the Pixels and Pirates podcast. I think I only uploaded one of those so far, but I've been doing some uh, really cool SEO stuff on Vimeo. And I mean, I'm getting 
close to 200,000 views on each episode right now on Vimeo. So what you're, you're putting those on Vimeo as just an audio file. What I do is I just take like the, the logo for each podcast and I just put the audio over that logo. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. You do that. You do that on YouTube too. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't started doing YouTube yet, but I've, I've been finding some cool tricks on Vimeo again with like SEO. And so I've been, you know, like I said, getting, you know, some, some of them might be at 250, some might be like 190, but I would say they're, they're averaging 200, you know, listens per episode so far. So that's pretty cool, man. That's awesome. Um, so you have five kids. Yes. (laughs) Which is, which is cool. Um, I have one, so I I can't really relate to you, man. Sorry. (laughs) Um, do you have five kids and you are kind of making this entrepreneurial thing happen? You're blind. Does your wife work? Uh, yeah, she, she does some part, some part-time stuff now. She just started working a few months ago, but for the longest time she didn't work. It was just, you know, me, me, uh, doing stuff. Okay. Um, you know, what's, what's that like? What's that like that, that whole, that whole picture. So you're working, um, obviously you're blind and you've got five kids and you know, they're probably involved in sports and activities and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. How does that, how does that whole dynamic work? And we homeschool. So there's, there's no, no downtime. (laughs) 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 I'm either, you know, working with a client or doing work or recording a podcast or, you know, putting out fires that the children are doing, you know, throughout the day. Uh, You know, Thankfully, you know, working from home, it's extremely flexible. So, like, if my wife's like, hey, I need to go do whatever. Can you watch the kids and make sure they don't burn down the house? No problem, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, so anytime she needs me to help her out, I'm, I'm right there. I'm, I can easily help her out and kind of drop what I'm doing as long as I'm not recording an episode. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, it's just just constant, like, go, 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 go. There's, there's, you know, like, the kids range from 14 down to 2. So, you know, they're, they're spread out 14, nine, eight, four, and two. So there's, they're all on different levels. <laughs> you know, uh, the 14 year old and nine year old are great. My, my old, my oldest is my son. And then the, the next oldest is my daughter. And so they're extremely helpful. Like, you know, I could be like, Hey, uh, you know, I need you to take out the trash. I can't do it. I'm, in, I'm doing this. Okay. No problem. You know, Oh, Hey, uh, you know, I need, you know, I need you to like, you know, pick up the living room, there's toys all over the place, you know, make sure you sweep up the floor and stuff. And my daughter's like, no problem. So we all, we all work together. We're all a team, you know, which is really helpful. Cause if we weren't, man, I, I don't, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's I, again, man, I just, I can't, I can't really imagine it. That's a, uh, that's cool though. I mean, you guys are making it work and, um, man, five kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's funny when people when people are just like five kids. Oh, you know, it's like it's it's funny around here that you'd think we're the Duggars or something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think that's awesome. And my wife and I originally I wanted like two to three. My wife wanted four. Yeah. Um, you know, and she had serious postpartum issues, and mm. ultimately that resulted in us only having one. But okay. <clears throat> um, but five. Uh, my my wife grew up in a family of five, and I just I've been talking to her about it. And after you and I spoke last week, you know, I brought that up to her and, uh, just like, well, you know, I asked, I was asking her, um, and her, you know, her dad wasn't blind. You know, they had a, you know, two parents that were both working and like, mm. a relatively normal household, just a lot of, a lot of kids. And, um, she was like, yeah, it was, it was just, it was wild hundred percent of the time. 
It's crazy, <laughs> you know. And we didn't have enough. We didn't, they didn't have a big house, so there was like bunk beds in two different rooms, and someone slept in the basement. And um, and I, you know, I felt bad. It was four girls, one boy. I felt bad for my, my now brother-in-law, you know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, and that's just it's nuts. And then once they all started driving, it was like just. A, a, tons and tons and tons of money being shelled out for cars and oh yeah I, I, yeah don't remind me of that <laughs> the other thing too uh, my father-in-law always brings up when we start talking about families and caught the cost of running a family and uh is is the dental costs he always brings up dental costs he's like dude i paid my dentist's salary just in like the cost of braces and retainers and like <laughs> uh cavities and all root canals and stuff and like crowns and i, I mean i i don't know I, yeah i know dental work's expensive um i didn't have braces but like, yeah I I just like yeah they're like ten fifteen thousand dollars now oh yeah yeah well yeah i mean you can if you're lucky you can maybe get them for five you know but i mean still that's not chump change you know like no man and and i and i, I it just seems like everybody i know who has a, a kid that's over like eight nine ten years old um that needs braces like before they're 13 mm, yeah we're like my oldest was it looked like he was gonna need him but then when he came back uh, like six months later like nah never mind he doesn't need him we're like whoo <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all, all of my kids teeth are uh, i don't think any of them no I, I take that back one of them had a cavity recently but that was the first one out of all of them so um yeah, i did not take care of my teeth as a kid not yeah at all good there so <laughs> Um, wow, man. Okay, cool. So how would you say, if at all, um, uh, has being an entrepreneur affected your approach to parenting? Cause you don't work a traditional nine to five, like most parents, you know? And so you're not like going away to the office for nine hours, coming home and then, you know, say, all right, how was school? You know, John, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. um, I would say uh, we always have conversations. Not that I, I, I'm not the kind. I was kind of saying this the other day to someone. I'm not that kind of parent that's trying to push whatever on my kid. Like I, you know, I grew up playing sports, right? And like I always told myself, I'm not going to be that psycho football dad or psycho baseball dad, right? Who's like living through his kids, you know? Like come on, you know, like tackle, you know? I'm, I'm never going to be that person. And so I, you know, my wife is talking to me about this. I don't even talk to them like like if they show interest in sports i'll say something but i'm not like oh hey you should you should we're gonna sign up for baseball all right like i'm not i don't even do that you know like i just let them if they're interested in baseball cool all right let's talk about it. i'll show you how to play you know you're not interested in baseball or football basketball whatever that's fine too like i want you to be you i don't want you to feel like you have to do something because of me right yeah yeah, yeah. well <laughs> so i'm gonna i just want to cut in for a second so where do you draw the line between introducing them to new things and but not forcing them or nudging yeah. them yeah well, that's that's what my wife she was like you know what you don't even like bring it up to them like you don't say hey you ever thought about playing baseball like yeah i know it's because i don't want to you know make you know make them feel like they have to do it she's like yeah but if they're not introduced to it you know to it maybe they're not going to think of it i was like huh that's a, <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, man uh, <laughs> i tend to agree with your wife on this one <laughs> like all right uh bad you know my bad you know so uh, so i I'm, I'm gonna try to start just being like hey you ever think of playing basketball or baseball you, you know do you know what the rules are like and you know we could start like kind of a discussion but you know if, if i would just say hey if you ever want to you know play on a team let me know we'll we'll sign you up and get you playing if you don't you know 
that's fine too. Uh, but I, I guess I do have to introduce them now. Like she made a good point. I was like, all right, yeah, you're right. I should I should do that. <laughs> all right, it could be some serious undiscovered talent there or passion, you know. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay. So but but you know, there's that part of it. But uh, you know, what about I don't know. So you've always. Uh, at least since no no i guess your your entire you know adult life you've always had to like figure it out for yourself yeah. and, and seek yeah. your own opportunities and does that yeah. affect your since especially since you're homeschooling your kids and i was homeschooled in high school too uh all four years actually so you know i have my own set of experiences but uh where your kids are homeschooled and, and they have a father who is kind of making his own opportunities and doing his own thing you know how does that affect your approach to parenting them and kind of preparing them for the future uh, we, we kind of, we'll have like discussions about stuff. Like maybe we'll be eating dinner and I, and I, and be like, you know, it'd be awesome if we, if we opened up this, like, you know, retro gaming place and like all the kids jump in. Yeah. We, you know, we could serve food there or like, you know, people could play like this game here or we could do that. And like, it's just cool to get them thinking like, you know, you don't have to, uh, you know, fill out this application and, and work for someone else. <laughs> like if you have a good idea then take a shot at it. I mean, they've seen me take plenty of shots and fail, and then they've seen me do other stuff and not fail. <laughs> I wouldn't use the word be successful, but they've seen me not fail at least, you know? So, you know, and, and, and even my older son, he, like, every now and then he'll be like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this, like, and, you know, and I'd be like, well, you know, if you do that, you got to watch out for this or that. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, you know, I, never, I didn't think of that. And so we'll always kind of talk about not, like, hardcore business stuff, but you know get get his get his ideas going just to be like hey you might have a good you know a good idea for a business so don't don't uh, poo poo it you know yeah 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 um so alternatively i think that's really awesome by the way especially that your kids like kind of rally together like that around an idea yeah yeah it's know? funny <laughs> cuz i remember when i was a kid uh my dad was like big time corporate superstar still is and my mom was a nurse uh, for she's my entire career she was an rn yeah. so um all i ever knew is that someday i'm going to graduate from high school and i'm going to go to college mm. and with that college degree i'm going to get a job and i'm going to work that job forever that's all <laughs> i ever knew and yeah. that's that's all they really introduced they there was never they did they did the best that i think they thought they could do yeah, uh, but there was never any persuasion or suggestion to pursue passion. Yeah, all. yeah, and, and and make something out of nothing. It was always go work for the man, do something practical. And I was talked out of my passions multiple times as a kid. Mm. Um, so so were my sisters. Mm. Um, again, I think my parents were doing what they thought was best. Right, right. You know, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't blame them or anything, but. Um, I I think it's great, like what you're doing, and, and the fact that your kids are exposed to that. And I try to do the same for my son. You know, I, I expose him to the fact that, um, like even now, I still work a regular job, and uh, because I haven't hit that point where I I can't sustain both. Yeah. Um. So he sees that world, but he also sees me building businesses on top of that. So he yeah. sees both, and and he's more. I think he's more interested in doing his own thing now i mean he's super young right so it could change tomorrow but like that's that's the impression i'm getting and and uh yeah i just think it's cool man so that that's that's really interesting yeah, and, you know when my son my oldest son i think he was like maybe 11 it might have been 11 11 or 12 yeah probably 11 he was like 
huge into Minecraft, you know? And so he was like, hey, dad, you know, could, it'd be awesome if I, like, ran this Minecraft. So he had this whole, not not a business plan, but, yeah, I could charge, like, this, this much for that and this, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, let's do it. You know, I, I, found, I, I rented him uh, his own Minecraft server. And, uh, you know, he started trying to, you know, find people to join it and, and do stuff. It, di- it didn't work out at all like he thought it would. But I wanted him to try it out just to be like, huh, uh, <laughs> plans that I had didn't really flush out there, you know, like, <laughs> and it only cost me, you know, 10, 20 bucks, right? you know, so it's like he got he got a little taste of it just to be like, all right, that, that didn't go the way I thought it would, you know, to experiencing those things early is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think he had kind of the opposite experience of you because he saw me I went back to school when I was 30. So he saw me go back to school, you know, when I was a little bit older and, you know, I, I get my degree. I got a degree in, you know, computer science business administration and I, I still can't get a job, you know, and he's just like, yeah, I, I don't want to do that. And so <laughs> he's actually going to public school right now, he, he's a freshman in high school. And a few months ago, he's just like, look, I don't want to go to college. And, you know, I want to go to like one of these technical schools and be like an electrician or a plumber or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, good on you. It's better off you figure that out now than go to college and get thirty grand in debt and figure out that's not what you wanted to do. Oh, dude, big time. So, so he started going to a technical high school this year. So that he's uh, leaning toward, like I said, lean towards either electrician or plumber. And hey, good on you, man. Like, totally, totally down with that. I'll, I know some extremely successful master electricians that make uh, multiple six figures a year running their own shop yep yeah yeah we we have a friend that that's owned his own electrician uh, business for like 20 years and he said the same thing he's like you know people might scoff at being an electrician but they don't know <laughs> Dude, they do not and and i'll tell you right now plumbers uh i mean i i think that's like it's like it's not it's not a sham dude but plumbers understand that that trade is absolutely lucrative like oh, there's, that, it just oozes money. Yeah, that's what his uh, his shop teacher said. He's like, look, if you're thinking about being an electrician or a plumber, plumbers make more. And, oh my and, gosh, they make they make like, more because of the knowledge. He's like, we could sell someone a twenty five cent plastic piece, but we're gonna charge them, you know, two hundred bucks for time and a half. <laughs> I know. You know. So. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. That's great, man. That's great. Um, you know, I'm happy to hear that your your son started to figure out what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, so alternatively to that question, you know, how has being a parent affected your entrepreneurial pursuits? Who, um, I guess I can't take as big of risk. Not, not that I probably, I mean, I've always had pretty much always had kids ever since being an entrepreneur. Cause even when I started the computer company, we found out my wife was pregnant. So I was like, mm, time to figure something out. <laughs> so I've always, uh, always kind of had that. I don't know if you call it pressure, but you know that it's not like I'm the, I'm some single dude and I can just like lose everything and like crash on my friend's couch or something for the next six months. <laughs> rebound, you know, I I don't have that opportunity, you know. Yeah. So I guess I gotta be. It's like I, I I have to try stuff quick and fail quick to know like all right that's not gonna work. Like I need something that clicks. I don't need to make a ton of money, but I need to make something to be like all right I think this can work. You know, I, but I, I can't like I can't bet the farm on, on anything though. Right, but you're at least willing to taste it and, and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. So I, what I've found is that most of my audience, uh, who are a little bit further along, and 
you know, doesn't really, the age doesn't really matter, but have a kid or two and have a house and, and, you know, a lot of debt or whatever are unwilling to do anything. They're unwilling. They're so risk averse that they do nothing. They think about it, think about it. And they drop all these plans on paper might spend 50 bucks here and there, you know, a hundred dollars on something from Fiverr, like a service or something, but never actually do anything. Yeah. It's like this complete paralysis just yeah, due uh, to risk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every, you know, everyone's got great ideas. What it comes down to is execution. Yeah. yeah. You, got, you got to execute something to find out if it's going to work. Yeah. Couldn't agree more on that. Take an action. Um, yeah. And that's like the one thing that is so scary <laughs> to people. <laughs> no, totally, totally. And, but, you know, honestly, once you get used to it, once you've, you know, tried two, three, four things and you bombed at all of them. But then you, you try that fifth thing and it, and it starts to work. And, I know. And, you know, <laughs> you know with, with me, um, I was so nervous, like going back about two, three years, I was so nervous about spending any money on something that I couldn't guarantee would give me like an instant, you know, high ROI hmm. um, that I would just like, I would invest so cautiously and I would spend so long just to spend like a hundred dollars yeah um that i I was moving at the pace of a turtle (laughs) and i would still fail at whatever it was and uh and then you know then i did it again spent a little bit more and then i did it again and spent a little bit more and now it's to the point where i'm willing to be like what's that cost about a grand yeah sure just go right in and and i i think inherently just because i've been willing to take risk and fail and risk and fail uh my my actions now map to that of um, some sort of success. I don't know how to say this without sound. Like, you know, I, I make plenty of mistakes still, but I, I, they're not as, um, <laughs> they're not as blatant as before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, where you make that mistake, you're like, yeah, not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Lesson learned, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's almost like I know how to recover it better now. Yeah. Um, yeah definitely. Definitely. It's kind of hard to articulate, but uh, yeah, it's just learning experience, you know, wisdom, right? You get it yeah. from, from failing a bunch. And I say that all the time. The more you fail, the smarter you get. I know you know that. Yeah, it's funny. I talked to someone the other day. I think it was after the crowd, one of the crowdfunding casts. And they, I think they're from, I think they're in Europe somewhere. I don't, I don't remember. But they're just like, you know, you, you, you Americans over here, like you, you Americans are, are willing to fail. Like you'll fail and get up and do it again. Fail, get up, do it again. Fail, get up, you know. And then maybe the 10th time you'll, you'll, you'll do, you'll get it, right? And then, but they're like over here. If you fail, that's it. Like you, you, you've got the, you know, you're you're marked as a failure, and no one will ever give you a chance again. Dude, I've heard that. I've heard that before. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's a little bit of pressure. (laughs) Yeah, especially I know like Germany is big on that. Like you, you've only got one shot before you're completely discredited by the whole community. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is amazing because it never works out the first time. You know, ever. Yeah, exactly. Never, ever, you know, so. Wow. Yeah, it was was interesting. I was like, man, I I can't imagine that. No, man, that's, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Listen, I just have a couple more questions. Uh, I know we're kind of up against it here, but um, what one piece of advice would you give to an entrepreneur who's just starting out, whether they were 15 years old or like your son, you know, 14 or 65 years old? I mean, it's, it kind of goes with what we we're just saying. You can't quit. Like, if you really want to do X, there's going to be hurdles. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be problems. There's going to be 
fights. There's going to be whatever. Like, you just need to power through. Like, it's it's funny when you hear, like, backstories of someone. Like, I don't know, just, you know, think of someone successful, right? And you hear their backstory, and you're like, man, I didn't know they went through all of that. Like, you, you look at this, like, really successful person, just like, man, they're so lucky. They're making, you know, tens of millions of dollars a year or whatever. <laughs> This business is awesome. Like, why can't that happen for me? But then you hear the inter- an interview with them, and, and it's like it, it wasn't all roses and, and rainbows and unicorns, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> they, they, had, they, they got in the trenches and had to slug it out too, just like everyone else. And so you got to keep that in, in mind. Like, you know, I mean, not that I ever really like talking about myself in this way, but we all have trials that we go through. We all have, you know, things in life we have to overcome. I've had my things in life I've had to overcome, but it's like, you know, even when I was in the hospital, it's like, and I was told you're never going to see again. I mean, the first few days were pretty, I was just like, oh, my life's over, it's ruined. But after, you know, those few days, I'm like, all right, I could, you know, cry about this for the rest of my life, but it's not going to change anything. So I might as well just deal with it. Like, you know, why waste the rest of my life crying about it? And I'll just do something about it. And so that's why I started playing guitar. I just like focused all my energy on playing guitar. And just gave me something to like live for, kind of, you know, like. So I mean, that's what you gotta do, like in business. Like, you're, you're, everyone has stuff they have to overcome, and you just can't give up. Uh, if you want it that bad, you can't give up. If you, I guess you'll find out if you want it bad enough or not. Because if you quit, then you didn't want it that bad. Oh man, I. <laughs> that's awesome that you said that. I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. Uh, but that last part, man, I just said those words out loud to somebody last week who was oh, asking. Really? I did, yeah. They were asking me. Um, if someone I know personally who has wanted to write a book forever and uh, be a, a published author and I'm like, look, you don't want it bad enough. And, and the response was like, dude, don't tell me that. Don't tell me I don't want it bad enough. Like, how do you actually find the time to do stuff? You know, you've got, you've got a family, you've got a kid. And I'm like, look, you don't want it bad enough. Straight yeah. up. You don't yeah. want it bad enough. Otherwise you would have done it. You would have figured yeah. it out. Yeah. You, you'd make time. You'd get up at four in the morning two hours before we had to go absolutely to work. you would dude you'd figure it yep. out that's right you yep. figure it out man yep. yeah uh, i love that that's awesome um okay cool so and all that was beautifully articulated by the way that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> um okay so this is my last question and uh it's it's a little bit more closer to home for you uh what one piece of advice would you give to another person who has lost their eyesight on how or another disability on how to live a full, rich life and achieve the things that they want to achieve. Man, I guess, you know, this is a a whole nother podcast here. I'll try not to open this can, (laughs) but I, you know, I grew up seeing, I didn't lose my sight until I was 14. Right now there's people. So that, that question could kind of come at two angles because there are, I've seen kids that grow up born blind, their parents, uh, to, to, no, to, to, to nothing negative about their parents. Their parents seek out professional help and say, hey, my kid, you know, my kid's blind. What do we do? OK. And so the, the, these uh, entities from the government will come in and help train your child. Oh, they need to learn Braille. Uh, they need to learn how to, you know, use a cane to walk around. Uh, you know, what else they need to learn? Like, you know, you need to teach your, your blind kid all this stuff. Right. But when they're doing that, they're totally like boxing this kid in because I fought against this because, I again, I wasn't born blind. So when I started dealing with these agencies, when I went back to school at 30, my my counselor, who was supposed to help me, whose job she was being paid for to help me, told me 
I should switch my my uh, my my degree because math was too hard for me to. It wasn't hard for me to do, but it was hard for me to to have it accessible to me to do it properly. And so her solution was I should quit and find something else. Yeah, and that's I was, a great solution. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, you're not seriously telling me this, are you? And she's like, well, yeah. And I was like, this is not helping me. <laughs> like, you are so fired, you know, like, but that is what these entities do is that you, you'll, you'll be told blind people don't do that. Blind people, they, they don't do this either. And blind, blind people that can't do this or can't do that. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm not a blind person then because I'm going to do it. You know, just just because blind, you know, 99.99% of blind people don't do this doesn't mean I can't. And so that's what I would tell the, you know, this kid, there a person that maybe lost their sight. Don't listen to these people that are going to try to box you in because it'll wreck you. It, it'll totally make you not the person you could possibly be because you're going to be told, oh, well, th these kinds of people don't do that. People in wheelchairs don't do this kind of job or whatever it is. Like they're just going to say that's not normal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you can't do whatever it is you want to do. So what if a blind person tries to be a graphic artist and fails miserably? At least they tried. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, but again, that you'll get me all wound up on that. So I'm trying to calm <laughs> down now. But it's it's a whole a whole thing with me that I, I've just seen throughout the years where these I, I and again it's no fault to the parents they don't know they don't know any better they're, they're trying to do what they think should be done for their kid but they don't realize their kid is being boxed in and is being very very limited at what's expected of them. Yeah, I, obviously, um, Jonathan people are able to adapt. I mean, totally. You are a clear example of that. I mean, 14 years old, you lost your eyesight. Look at you now. What did you say? 38, right? Yeah. So yep. that was 24 years ago. Yeah. And you have five kids. You're married. You're an entrepreneur, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you went and got two degrees after being blind. You had a storefront. Um, and you repaired PCs, you installed networks, you built a freaking operating system for people with disabilities. Like, I'm not trying to inflate your ego, but if you think about, just reflect real quick or let me do it for you on the things that someone who has zero eyesight, uh, has done. It's, it's a clear indication that if you lose a, a critical sense, like eyesight, that you can still do a lot of stuff. Totally. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, no, totally. So that's I mean, awesome, man. Yeah, I mean it just it just like I said earlier, it, everyone has their hurdles in life. I mean, you I mean, I've heard some of your story, you've overcome stuff. I mean, we all have our own battles, you know? And regardless of I mean, I've I've heard plenty of other people's stories where I'm just like, I'd want no part of that. Like I would gladly go through what I went through again to not have to go through that. You know, like th there's plenty of other people out there with a worse story. It's just what what matters is how do you deal with it? Right. You know, yep. like how, are you going to overcome or are you going to just kind of, you know, be this negative, you know, disgruntled person for the rest of your life? You know? Yeah, I love that. I love that. There's uh, <laughs> there's a positive outcome that's there in every situation, I think. And yeah, no, you know, and I love that you said that because I listened to that last episode you did and. <laughs> You, you know, you were saying like, you know, you might be going through something at the moment and you're like, this is awful. Like, uh, what? why am I even going through this or this? This, this sucks. 
And I, and I tell people this all the time. Like, if it, I, I, if I knew then what I know now, I would do it all again. Because if, <laughs> if it wasn't for that car accident, I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have five kids. I, I wouldn't be the person that I am, honestly. Like, you know, losing my sight, had, that, that's part of my, my makeup, my character. And so I wouldn't be the same person I am right now. I mean, I got in a car accident. I started playing, you know, music. I played guitar. I was in a band. I ended up playing a show where my wife and I kind of this mutual friend, and that's how I met her. So if I never got <laughs> in a car accident, I never would have played guitar, and I never would have met her. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really so, cool. And so that you know, I so I I uh, I would like I said I, I even tell her you know pretty often like I would do it again, I'd do it all again, end up here. That's amazing, that's amazing. Um, look, Jonathan, man, this has been awesome. Um, yeah. I feel I, like uh, I feel like a part two to this needs to happen in the future. <laughs> I, I was gonna say this might be split up into two parts. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna let it run. Uh, we're at yeah, we're over an hour here, but uh, that's okay. This isn't sorry, sorry, people. If you made it this far, <laughs> no, this is this is really good stuff, man. Uh, so thank you so much for being on the podcast and um, taking the time out of your night. You know, you got a, a lot going on over there, five kids and everything. So um, I do appreciate it. And um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out and talk to you about SEO yeah, or yeah, or NATO Media or anything? Yeah, I guess you can just go to natomedia.com. There's a contact you know thing right at the top of the page that goes you know you'll you'll reach me. That goes right to my inbox. So. NATO is N-A-D-E-A-U. So natomedia.com. And there's a contact page right there and you can reach me. Awesome. Okay. So natomedia.com. I will have a link for that in the show notes. And once again, Jonathan, my man, thank you so much for being on the podcast, brother. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure and I had a great time. All right, dude. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. All right. Bye. After talking to John for the amount of time that I did, honestly, I have really no words. Um... (laughs) You know, it's, 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 like I said earlier, it's really inspiring to me. It's incredibly motivating. And I think that anybody and everybody could listen to the story that Jonathan told and understand that we are essentially limitless, right? There's really nothing in our way. And if you haven't been plagued with an issue like having your eyesight taken in a, in a tragic car accident or something like that, you know, then you have more of an advantage than Jonathan has. Yet he is out doing so much, even though he had setbacks in his life. So take the situation that you're in and step out of it for just a second and just try to remember that there's really nothing holding you back, right? It just takes a, a will, a desire, some kind of idea as to what you're going after and then ultimately the execution on that day in and day out again there's nothing stopping you there's nothing holding you back except yourself it's going to wrap it up for this episode thank you guys so much for checking out the fit successful dad podcast again my name is gordon and i'll catch you guys in the next episode take care